And you guys excited for a good word this morning? Let's be honest. How many of you can say right now, Pastor, you better bring it today. I need a good word. I know, good to. All right. Because, uh, yeah, give God praise today, this morning. Because, um, to be honest, I had, I had a message prepared for today. And I woke up this morning with no peace about it. And um, I prayed and I said, Lord, don't do this to me today. But I was reading this passage that I could not get over. So next Sunday, Lord willing, I'll preach that message. Because that one was good too. So I don't know why the Lord told me not today. Someone's got to hear it. And next weekend, as we get ready for the 4th of July weekend and all that, I'm going to preach the best sermon that you better not miss next weekend. But I heard this word, John 21. Let's go there this morning. John 21, verse 1. And I was reading this passage in the morning. And it spoke so much to me that I said, Lord, I can't be selfish. I need to preach this this morning. The Word of God says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples and in the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were all together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing, they said to him. We're going with you also. And they went out immediately. They got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garments, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat. For they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. I want to read verse 1 again. This is what grabbed my heart this morning. Maybe it will grab yours. And after these things, what things? Well, after the crucifixion, the death of Jesus after it looked like the ministry was over and it was hopeless, and after the disciples had no idea what was going to happen next, after all of the things that went wrong, after all of those things, the Bible says in verse 1, after these things, Jesus showed Himself again. He showed up 
again. Say it with me. He showed up again. And the reason that this grabbed my heart this morning, because I don't know about you, preaching to myself here, but sometimes I need the Lord to show up again. I need the Lord to show up again. So that's the title of today's message. Lord, show up again. Let's pray, church. Father, bless this word as it's been a blessing to me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you help me to preach it to every heart here in this church or listening online. Father, there are those here today that need you to show up. There are those right now that are going through something that has left them feeling hopeless, discouraged, or even afraid. So Father, I pray you would bless this word and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you guys can have a seat as we get into this message. Lord, show up again. See, as I was reading this, I realized something about this passage, particularly in the life of Peter. Peter was an ordinary man that did extraordinary things through Jesus. But when you read the life of Peter, what you'll quickly find out is that the Lord showed up in the life of Peter in three major ways. The first time that Jesus shows up to Peter is in John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42. Let's go there. And one of the two who heard John speak, that's John the Baptist, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And notice verse 41. He first found his brother Simon, and he said to him, We have found the Messiah which is translated Christ. So he tells Peter, I found Jesus. I found Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Notice the first time Peter's met Jesus. Everyone seems to think that the first time Peter met Jesus was that other occasion when when Jesus showed up in his boat and he caught the multitude of fish, dropped his nets and followed him into ministry. But that is not what the Bible shows us. John tells us, that the first time that Peter actually met Jesus was when his brother Andrew introduced him to the Lord. And the Bible says that he brought him to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, but you shall be called Caiaphas, translated a stone. And notice what the Bible says here. When Jesus first met Peter, the first time he shows up in his life, He calls Peter and he says, I have a plan for your life. I have a calling for you. In fact, he says, right now your name is Simon. But I'm going to change your name to Peter, to Caiaphas, which in the Greek means rock. So he looks at Peter and he says, one of these days, Peter, I'm going to change your life. One of these days, Peter, I'm going to show up and things will never be the same. 
Because Peter, I know who you are and I know what you're going to become and I have a plan for your life and this is the first time that Peter meets Jesus. And I wish the Bible says that Peter fell to his knees and he cried and wept and said, Lord, forgive me, I surrender, I'm all yours. But the Bible says that Peter did none of that. Nothing changed. And I want to tell you this morning that you cannot give up on those people in your life that need Jesus. You might have a spouse that's unsaved. You might have a friend, a child, a neighbor, a co-worker, a loved one that doesn't know Jesus. But I love that Andrew was so excited about knowing Jesus and meeting Jesus that the first thing Andrew did was go to Peter and say, let me show you the Savior. Let me show you Jesus. And I believe we live in such a time that people need to see Jesus in us. And when he went to Peter and says, look at Jesus, maybe Andrew thought, oh, Peter's going to repent. Peter's going to turn his life to Jesus. Jesus is going to do for Peter what he did in my life. But the Bible says that nothing happened. Don't give up on preaching the gospel to those people that you know need Jesus. Don't give up on showing Jesus to people. Because maybe it's not their time. But one day will come that Jesus is going to change their life. But the first time Jesus shows up in the life of Peter, nothing. The second time Jesus shows up is in Matthew 4, 18 through 20. And this is the part we all remember. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, again, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. But the Bible says that he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. You see, in the context, we know that Peter was fishing all night and he caught nothing. Peter must have felt discouraged. Maybe he was afraid. He felt hopeless because he had no fish. No fish meant no money. No money meant no business. No business meant no provision. No provision meant homelessness. And what am I going to do? His life was over. He felt discouraged because he went through one of the worst nights of his life. But you see, sometimes, the first time, nothing happened. Because I believe that Peter's life was great, his business was booming, life was great and happy. He didn't see a need for Jesus. But see, the second time when Peter was out all night and he was empty and hopeless and wondering what's going to happen to my life, that's when Jesus shows up the second time. And that is when Peter says, I'm going to live for you now, Jesus. And he surrendered his life and asked for forgiveness and followed Jesus for the rest of his life. You see, sometimes God needs to allow you to hit rock bottom to grab your attention. And when Peter was down to nothing, that's when Jesus shows up again. But this time his life changes. This time he gets saved. This time he gets born again. This time he commits his life to the Lord. And this time the Lord began to show him and teach him and disciple him. But the third time Jesus shows up is when I want to preach about. Verse 1, 
The third time he shows up in Peter's life was after Jesus was crucified. After all these things happened, after Jesus was crucified and it looked like the ministry was over. And this was the same Peter that gave his life to Jesus and surrendered everything. He dropped his nets. He gave up his business and he went to follow Jesus, expecting that he was going to change the world, expecting that things were going to change and the ministry was going to grow and everything from here on out was going to be wonderful. Isn't that what we think when we follow Jesus, that from here on out, my life's going to be easy and things are going to be great and things are going to grow and things are going to happen for me. But now it's the opposite. Peter has given his life to the Lord. He has surrendered. He has been born again. But now Peter is in a place where he doesn't know what's going to happen next in his life. Peter is in a place where all hope is lost. Peter and those disciples are feeling hopeless. They're feeling worried. They don't know what's next. But in verse 1, I love what the Bible says. After these things, Jesus showed himself again. You see, can we be honest today in church? Will you let me be honest and you're not going to judge me? All right. Sometimes we do not need the Lord to show us that He's God. We don't need to show, God doesn't need to show us that He's the Lord because we know He's God. That's why the first time we surrendered our lives to Him. We don't need to ask God, Lord, are you still God? Lord, or show me your God. No, we as believers here in the church, we know He's God because that is why we surrendered our lives to Him, got born again and saved. Can I get a witness? We know He's God. There's no question He's God. Peter was not questioning whether Jesus was God. He knew Jesus was God the day he surrendered everything and immediately started following him. So I believe right now that is not where we are at as a church. I don't need to know if God is God. I know God is God. And you surrendered your life to him. You know he's God. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're not wondering whether God is God. But what you need to know and what you want God to do is to show up again and remind you that He's still in control. And remind you that it's not over yet. And remind you that greater things are coming. I love the fact that right when these men are in the boat and they're hopeless and they don't know what's next, they don't know what's going to happen and everything seems like a failure that Jesus shows up, but Jesus does not just show up. The Bible says that Jesus was standing there at the shore. See, what I want God to show me is that He's still there, He's standing, and He's with me. That's not a good amen. 
I want to know that God is still there. I want to know that He's still standing. I want to know that God is still in control. I want to know that it's not over. It's not hopeless. I want to know that God is still up to something great because right after this whole event is when the Holy Spirit would come and work in such a way that the church would start and thousands upon thousands of people would come to know the Lord and the ministry would grow and the disciples would witness and do miracles. But before all of that great stuff happened, there was a season in their life that they had no idea what was going to happen. And I wonder this morning if that's where you're at. Are you at a point in your life you're saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. God, I don't know what's next. I don't know whether we're going to survive or not. And one of the worst places you can be in your life is, Lord, what's next? How many of you are there right now? Be honest. Lord, what's next? Because it's not looking so good. Lord, what's next? Because it looks pretty bad. In the eyes of those men that gave everything to Jesus, it looked like they were failures. And sometimes you're going to look at your life and feel like a failure. In the eyes of those men that gave their lives to Jesus, it looked like everything was over and everyone else had won and defeated the Lord. And sometimes in your eyes, not only are you going to feel like a failure, you're going to feel like the devil's won. And these men don't know what's next. And they gave their lives to Jesus and they had great expectations, but they don't know what's next. And I believe in my heart, one of the most frightening places you can be at in your life is, Lord, what's next? Is it over? Are you still here, Lord? But those men saw Jesus show up again. And there he was. Still standing. Jesus, they thought, was dead, was still standing. Ready for what was next. I want to tell someone here this morning. The Lord right now. Is still standing. Come on. He's still standing. Would you say that to yourself? He's still standing. And help me preach it this morning. Turn to your that neighbor of yours that looks so discouraged that came beat up to church. Tell him right now. Hey, cheer up. He's still standing. He's still standing. God is always standing. And if he's not standing, it's because he's sitting on the throne. But he's always in control. You think God looks at our economy right now and is scared? No, our economy might be the worst and it's going to get worse. Believe me, people. But God still stands. You may be walking through the doctors, going through cancer, but God still stands. You may be going through trouble in your life, your marriage with your kids, but God still 
stands. And there Jesus was looking at those men that were defeated and hopeless and scared and just wondering what was next. And there the whole time he was standing saying, if you only knew what was about to happen. If you only knew that in a few days, Peter, you're going to see that Holy Spirit come through and you're going to preach one sermon and 2,000 men are going to get saved. If you only knew, John, that you're going to write the book of Revelations that's going to change the world. If you only knew, man, what I had next, you wouldn't be standing there moping around, discouraged, lonely, depressed. If you knew that I was God and still in control, you'd be standing here with me knowing I'm going to finish what I've started. And there he is standing. And when I read that this morning, I said, Lord, that's all I needed to know. All I needed to know, Lord, was that you're still standing. And God, I just want you to show up again. You see, these men were not only in one of the worst places you can be. Lord, what's next? But here's where else they were. The Bible says in Luke 24, 49, let's read this together. We're going to study hard today. Is that okay? Jesus told them why he was still there with them. And now, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay in the city, meaning Jerusalem. Stay in the city. Say it with me. Stay in the city. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now let's jump to verse 1 again. And after these things, Jesus showed up again himself to the disciples at where? The Sea of Tiberias. That's Galilee. Church, what's wrong here? They're not where they're supposed to be. Jesus looked at them and said, listen, when I die, I'm going to rise. And when I rise, I want you to meet me in Jerusalem. And they're like, got it. Jesus died. And what did they do? They forgot everything he said. And went to Tiberias and Galilee. They're not in the right place. They're not where they're supposed to be. And this spoke to me such in such ways because I believe in my heart that some of you right now this morning are so discouraged because you look at your life and you're not where you're supposed to be. Can I get a witness this morning? You're not where you're supposed to be. And that's hard. Because then, wait, wait a minute, Lord, I'm not supposed to be here. My life is not supposed to be this way. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Lord, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm still single. I'm not supposed to be here. Lord, I, I'm married, but, but our lives are struggling and, and we're thinking about divorce and, and things aren't the same. We're not supposed to be here in this marriage. Some of you are looking at your kids and saying, they're not where they need to be right now, Lord. They're lost, they're confused, they're questioning their identity. They're out there in the world making dumb decisions. Lord, they're not where they need to be. That is a scary place when you know you look at your life and you say, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. 
I'm supposed to be stronger than this. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be healthier than this. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And some of you, you know you're not supposed to be where you're at, but you like it and it's sinful. And as a result, had they been in Jerusalem, they would have received power. But stay with me, now they're in Tiberias. Powerless. It's hard when you live a life and you feel powerless. And you're not where you're supposed to be. Some of you look at your life right now. And you can tell God the honest truth. Lord, I feel like I'm in a place that I know I'm not supposed to be in. I'm not supposed to be here. I thought my life would be different. I thought by now, Lord, this would have happened for me. Lord, I'm not supposed to be here, so let's put it together. They're in a place they're not supposed to be in. And they don't know what's next. And I started thinking and said, Lord, why are they there? Why are they in Galilee? You see, I believe Matthew 418. Let's read that again. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw the two brothers, Simon called Peter. Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishing. And we all know this story. This is the first time Peter gave his life to Jesus. This is the first time that Peter witnessed a miracle. This is the first time that Jesus changed his life. This is the first time that he got a multitude of fish that he knew was impossible. So this is the first time he knew that Jesus was not only God, but can do the impossible and change my life. This is the first time, and it all took place where? In Galilee. And you see, I thought that the reason that Peter was in Galilee was because he'd given up. And he was going back to his old life. But I realized something. Maybe Peter went back to Galilee and not Jerusalem because he was hoping that Jesus would show up like he used to. That Jesus would would do those things in my life like he first did when I got saved. And, and, and he, maybe he told the guys, there's no way of knowing, but maybe he told the guys, guys, the last time I was in Galilee, Jesus showed up and he changed my life and he bought those fish and everything was great. And, and I know we're supposed to go to Jerusalem, but, but why don't we just go to Galilee? Because maybe, just maybe, he'll show up again like he used to. And when I read that, I cried because I said, Lord, that's what I want in my life. I want you to show up like you used to. I want you to speak to me like you used to. 
And some of you are there right now with me. You say, Lord, I, I want you to do miracles like you used to. I want that same passion that we used to have. I want to go back to that place where God was so real, Peter was thinking. I want to go back to that place where the Lord changed my life. Lord, I want you to do miracles again. That is why I believe he didn't just quit and give up on ministry. Because if he did, he would have gone by himself. No, he went with all the boys and said, let's go back where we first met Jesus. Because maybe he'll do what he used to do. And some of you are hungry to see God do what he used to. Because you're tired of God being silent in your life. You're tired of saying, what's next, God? God, do something. Lord, please show me something. And Peter just went back to Galilee. He wanted that first time experience. He wanted the Jesus he used to have. And some of you this morning, You want the Jesus you used to have. You know that Jesus that you gave your life to, that changed your life forever? You want Him back. You know that Jesus that you gave up your whole life for? That Jesus that you couldn't put the Bible down? You you were excited for church? You were excited for worship? You were excited to evangelize and tell other people? You were excited for what God was doing? Some of you need to go back to that Jesus because you've lost Him. And Jesus just wanted to be there, but Peter said, I want to go back to Galilee. Because I want God to show up like He used to. I said, Lord, will you show up like you used to? You know, years ago in our church, we would just pray and God would just... And we would see miracles take place. And God would, my mom calls it when, when God winks at you, God would just wink and say, hey, I'm still here. Still standing. I said, Lord, I miss you. I I want you to show up like you used to. Some of you can remember getting up early just to pray. You got to get back to that. You would come to church, rain or shine. And now you're checking the forecast to see if you can come to church. You are so excited to learn. See, Peter is at a place, and all those men in the boat, they're in a place that a lot of us might be in right now. I just want to go back to the old days, Lord. Come on, how many remember the old days? Don't you miss the old days when men were men and girls were girls and people were people and people were nice and kind? And My mom looks and my parents talked to me when they got saved was in the 80s, right? You miss the 80s, don't you? 
How many missed the 80s? I missed the 90s. See, we miss what God used to do. Will God show up again like that? You know what I love about this passage? Is that the Bible says in verse 2 to 4, 2 through 4, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the other of the disciples were together. We're together. That's what I love about them. First and foremost, you got to surround yourself with people that are going to stay together with you through anything. That's why I love our church. Because you, you, they were together in that boat. And I said, Lord, and I stopped for a minute. I said, Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you for our people. They're a crazy bunch, but they're my crazy bunch. And we stay in the same boat. Some of you should have abandoned ship a long time ago. But there you are. So I want to say thank you. Because through it all, we stay together. And so God does something. And they stay together. Some of you need to look at your wife and say, you've been crazy lately, but I'm going to stay in this boat with you, baby. We're going to stay in this and ride or die, sink or swim. But we're going to stay till Jesus showed up and does something. We're going to stay together. People have lost the sense of loyalty and unity when things get hard. But there they were. Together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. We're going with you. And they went and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it. They didn't know it was Jesus. The Bible says that there there was Jesus standing. The love about this passage is they weren't where they were supposed to be. Amen? Where were they supposed to be, church? Good, you're listening. Where were they, church? Amen, amen. Where was Jesus, church? No. Not in heaven, not yet. You're too far ahead, Kevin. He was at the shore where? In Galilee. Do you not get it, church? Jesus says, you may not be where you need to be, but I'll meet you where you are. Aren't you grateful for a God that says, you're definitely not where you need to be? But I'll stand with you and meet you where you are. And he met them where they were. And help them get to Jerusalem. See, Jesus not only will meet you where you are, he'll help you to get to where you need to be. Come on, give God praise for that. He'll meet you where you are and he shows up. Because let me tell you, Jesus showed up. And when I read this, I said, Jesus, you still showed up? These fools are disobedient. They're not where they're supposed to be. And there you are. I love that Jesus didn't say, well, I'll be in Jerusalem. I'll wait for you. Let me know if you want power. Then come to me. No. Jesus says, let me go where these fools are at. And he's standing there and he's like, what are you doing here? I told you Jerusalem. You guys are useless. No, he didn't say that. 
just stood there and said, no fish, right? I love Jesus because he has a sense of humor. Because Jesus, the Bible says he already had fish waiting for them. Jesus has what you've been looking for. That's a whole other sermon. I'll preach that one day. But Jesus is standing there and he's saying, hey, no fish, right? Man, as a fisherman, if someone told me that, I will beat them with my rod. But I love it because maybe Jesus is standing looking at you at the wrong place. Say, hey, you're miserable, right? You're empty, right? But he still stood there. Watching his men fail. Hopeless. Discouraged. At the wrong place. And he shows up. Unexpectedly. Because God will show up when you least expect. I wondered as I read that, why did the Bible name all of them by name? Why does verse 2 say Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel? Why didn't he just say the disciples? And I believe it's because we can relate to them each differently. Let me, let me prove this to you, that all of us are in the same boat. Is that what I did there, the same boat? Peter was on that boat a hypocrite. Told Jesus, I'll never disown you. They might, but I'll never, I'll love you forever. I'll never do that, Lord. Never, God forbid. I will always serve you, Lord. And he denied him three times. He did what he thought he'd never do. And if you're doing something you say you're not going to do, you're a hypocrite and a liar. And there was Peter on that boat. A failure, a liar, and a hypocrite. How many of you are in that boat right now? Thomas was in that boat. A doubter. Losing faith. I don't know if this is going to work. Can you imagine that conversation in the boat? Let me tell you how it went. Peter is on the boat saying, stupid, stupid, stupid. Can't believe I did that. I told him I wouldn't. I did it. I'm the worst Christian ever. And God is done with me. Are you in that boat? Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Guys, I think it's over. I don't think, I don't, I don't see Jesus. I don't. Oye, la cosa tan mala is bad. Losing faith. Come on, are you in that boat today? Let's, can we be real today? Are you in that boat right now? Nathaniel. Oh, Nathaniel. I would have thrown him overboard. Nathaniel is the one that's critical. Nathaniel was the one that 
said, when they talked about Jesus from Nazareth, he said, Nazareth? But can anything good come out of Nazareth? He was critical. He was negative. I'm sure Nathaniel was on that boat saying, oh yeah, I told you. I told you Jesus was no good. I told you that no one from Nazareth is good. This is why we're in this boat, because I told you, and I told you it was wrong. I told you you couldn't trust him. He was from Nazareth, and I told you all that nothing good's going to come out of this. Are you in that boat being critical of God? Because right now God's not so good in your life? Oh, we have James and John, the, the sons of thunder. And Jesus, listen, Jesus called them that because once upon a time, they didn't welcome him into a village. And John and James said, Lord, shall we pray and bring down fire and destroy everyone? Because they were hot-headed, angry, hot-tempered. I don't need to ask. I know in my church, some of you are in that boat. How many angry people do I have right now? Hot-tempered. And that was, listen, that was for them not even welcoming Jesus. Imagine the anger they have in that boat when they crucified him. Can you imagine John? And James, I can't I'm going to kill every woman. I'm going to kill every Pharisee I see. James, are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. When I get off this boat, they're dead. Can't believe these people. Angry. So we have one that's pitiful, Peter. Pity Pete. Just discouraged. We have Thomas who's doubting, losing his faith. We have Nathaniel who's critical. And Nathaniel's in that boat. You know he's saying, I can't believe, Peter, you left the business for this. Luke, you left the doctor's practice for this. Matthew, you were making great money with the Roman government doing taxes and you left it for what? I told you, no good. Then you have John and James. He's right. He's right. I can't stand these people. I'm so angry right now. I want to kill everyone. And Jesus shows up. I love that. He'll show up when you're a hypocrite. You're here saying, Pastor, I've made the worst mistake of my life. I've done things I thought I'd never do unimaginable, disgusting things. And I'm the worst of the worst and the worst Christian. God hates me. And I promise you right now, He stands with you. Come on, praise him for that. You're here, you're like Thomas, and you're in that boat, and it's over, and I'm losing faith, God, and I'm doubting that things are going to change. I'm doubting that we're going to make it. I'm doubting that we're going to survive. Lord, I'm doubting your ability. And Jesus still stands. Because I'm with the doubters. Jesus said, I'll stand with the doubters. You might be Nathaniel and you're critical and negative and fault-finding because you don't see the goodness of God. He stands with you. Go ahead, get mad at God. 
Go ahead, get critical and say, Lord, I can't stand this. Why are you doing this? It's unfair. And Jesus says, I'll stand with you. Let me have it. You might be angry. You might be the third son of thunder. Angry. Because of the injustice in your life. Angry because God's done nothing about those that have hurt you. Hot-tempered. Because you're frustrated with your life. He shows up. Are you thankful for a God that will show up again? He says, I'll show up. And I'll stand. Jesus stands. Because it doesn't matter who you are or where you relate in this boat. Doesn't even matter where you are right now in your life. You may be like these men that are in the wrong place. Even though they're saved and they love Jesus, they're in the wrong place with the wrong attitude. Saying it's finished. It's over. But Jesus shows up again. And he stands. He said, I'll meet you where you are. You may be a hypocrite. I'll stand with you. You may be doubting. I'll stand with you. You may be critical. I'll stand with you. You may be angry. I'll stand with you. And I am so grateful for a Lord and a Savior that says, I will show up and stand wherever you are. And I will take you to Jerusalem. And you will experience my power again. As we close this morning, I wonder if you're here and you're saying, God, I need you to show up again. Like you used to. That's why they're in Galilee. I want to see God do what he used to do. Maybe that's your prayer today. You're saying, Lord, I just want you to do what you used to. I used to be so passionate. I used to have so much joy. Lord, you used to move mountains for me. You used to do miracles. You used to do the impossible. And Lord, I miss those days. And some of you might be here saying, Lord, I want you to show up. Let's read verse 11, what happened. Verse 11. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net. Notice what he said here. Simon Peter showed up. And he grabbed the net. And he dragged the net to land full of large fish. 153. And although they were so many, the net was not broken. I want you to understand something, church, about this passage. Because everyone gets it wrong. But we're going to get it right today here at Forward. You guys ready for this? You know, the real miracle. Everyone always says, oh, and the Lord brought fish again. And 150 plus fish 
And the fish were there and he multiplied the fish after Peter had no fish. God brought fish. What a miracle. But when I read that this morning, I realized the miracle was not fish. The miracle had nothing to do with fish. Why? Well, because the first time Peter met Jesus, and Jesus multiplied the fish in his boat, he dropped everything and surrendered and followed him. So this isn't the first time that Jesus multiplied fish in Peter's life. So when I read that, I said, oh, wait a minute, Lord. That multiplying fish thing, that's old news. You did that before. But see, when we're so focused on the fish that Jesus multiplied here, we miss two other miracles that everyone seems to ignore. You want to see the real miracle that day when these men were hopeless and Jesus shows up again? Here's the real miracle. Look at verse 8 one more time. The Bible says in verse 8, But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Let me read that one more time. They were dragging the net with fish. Say that with me. They were dragging the net with fish. Now jump to verse 11. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish. 153. And although they were so many, the net was not broken. What's the real miracle? No, well, no, not just that. The Bible says that when all these fish were gathered, it took all the disciples to grab the net and drag it. All of them got the net to drag it. One more time, look at verse 8. But the other disciples, the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, what? Dragging the net with fish. So the nets were so heavy that all of these men were grabbing and dragging. But verse 8 The other disciples came in a little boat, dragging the net. That's how heavy it was. You guys got it? Verse 11, here's the miracle we miss. Jesus says in verse 10, bring me the fish. Simon Peter, just Peter, went up and what? Dragged the The net that took all the disciples the first time to carry, Simon was able to carry on his own. The Lord gave him supernatural strength to do what God had told him to do, bring me the fish. Here's the miracle that we miss. When God shows up, he's going to give you the strength to do what he's called you to do. And listen... This is where it gets real. 
because Jesus told them, bring me the fish, but the only one that went to bring the fish was Peter. And no one helped them. And I want to tell someone in my spirit this morning, you might have to do it alone, but you have God. That's all you need. And he was there dragging it by himself. But I love that the Bible is honest. He had the supernatural strength. That's the real miracle that took place there. I'm sure Peter was thinking, man, how am I doing this? This is impossible. But here he was doing what Jesus told him to do by his strength. The real miracle is not only Jesus showing up. It's that God's going to give you the strength to make it. He's going to give you the strength to go on. Even if you got to do it alone, you're going to do it. But I love that the Bible's honest. He was dragging it. Why? Because it was still heavy. Now stop pretending that Christianity is easy. Following God is simple. No. Sometimes following Jesus means that your life is still a drag. And he's dragging it, but he's doing it. Can I get a witness this morning? How many feel like your life's a drag right now? Thank you, Maria. Life's a drag. Sometimes your marriage is a drag. Sometimes coming to church is a drag. I look at your faces. Trust me, you look like you've been dragging lately. And it's a drag to follow the Lord. It's a drag to believe. It's a drag. But there Peter is dragging alone, but doing it. And this is the call that I feel God has for our church. Are you willing to drag with me? I'll do it alone. But I'm grateful for a church and a family that says, David, let's grab this net together. And even though it's heavy, and even though it's a drag, the Lord's going to give us the strength to do what he's called us to do. Come on, give God some praise today. And the second miracle. Not the fish. It was a supernatural strength. And that the net did not break. Why does the Bible throw in that detail? Because in Luke 5, 6. Luke 5, 6. And when they had done this, they caught such a great number of fish and their nets was what? Breaking. So Peter knew this was a miracle because the first time Jesus shows up, I was broken. But now that Jesus has shown up, I don't know, I can't explain it. It's dragging. It's heavy. This net should be breaking. It should be falling apart. But the real miracle is that God maintained it and kept it intact and it did not break. And when I read this this morning, I was filled with confidence knowing that God's going to hold us intact. Things are not going to fall apart because God is in it. And He's going to give us a supernatural strength to do what He's called us to do. And the net did not break. You see, the old miracle was the fish. But see, God said, Peter... I want to do things you never experienced. I want to show you things that you've never gone through. And Peter had supernatural strength to drag what everyone else said was too heavy. 
And life may be a drag and you may be in it alone, but you're going to make it. That's why I love the single moms in our church because it's a drag, but they're doing it alone. You're going to make it. And life is a drag, but you're going to make it and you're going to look at your life. I promise you, you're going to look at your life and you're going to say, how am I not broken? How am I not falling apart? How have we maintained intact? How have we made it? It's because Jesus showed up again and says, I'm not done with you guys. I'm going to finish what I've started. And when God shows up that day, the disciples realized it's not over. It's not over. So this morning, let's all stand up. This morning, when I realized I've been missing the miracles, I can't believe I missed those miracles. I was so focused on fish. Typical fisherman was looking at the fish the whole time that I forgot to realize that there were two mighty miracles that day the strength to keep dragging. And God is telling someone here this morning, it's a drag, but you're going to make it. It's a drag. Saying, Pastor, my job's a drag. Look to your spouse and says, you're a drag sometimes. You're a drag. Raising children today is a drag. Church is a drag. Life is dragging me down. Maybe today you need to, Lord, to show up again and say, Lord, give me strength to do it. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm in that boat, but I will not break. And when I read that this morning, I prayed to God. I prayed for you. But when I finished praying, I told my wife this morning, I said, I talked to the Lord this morning. But I also talked to the devil. And I yelled and I said, devil? I know you hear me. And I said, you will not break me. It's going to get heavy. It's going to be a drag. But I told the devil, you bring it on. We are not going to break. And God is going to finish what he started. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want all of us to come. If you need to, you come to this altar. If you feel like life's a drag, you come forward. If life is heavy, you come forward. If you feel like you need God to show up again, you come forward. If you need a miracle, you come forward. If you're tired and lonely like Peter, dragging by yourself, you come forward. And I dare you to pray and say, Lord, show up again. Show up again, Lord. I need you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you to say to the Lord right now, Lord, I'm in this boat. Tell him what boat you're in. I'm in the anger boat, Lord. I'm angry. Lord, I'm in the hypocrite boat. I'm a hypocrite, a liar, a sinner. In bondage, Lord. Lord, I'm in the Thomas boat. I'm with Thomas. I'm doubting. I'm losing faith, God. Lord, I'm in the boat with Nathaniel right now. I'm critical. You don't seem good to me. I don't know if I can trust you, Lord. Lord, I'm just in this boat right now. And God, I don't know what's next. And I'm not where I need to be. But I thank you, Jesus, that you show up anyway. And the Lord will show up again in your life. 
And not only is going to he do things like he used to, because he used to multiply fish, but notice Jesus didn't want to stop there. He didn't say, oh, I'm just going to show you what I used to do. He says, I want you to experience things you've never experienced. I'm going to give you supernatural strength to keep dragging. I'm going to give you strength to realize the net that should have been broken is still intact. And you're here this morning, I'm telling you, you should not be alive. You should be broken. Your life should be falling apart. But the reason the net did not break, it's the same reason your life is not broken. Because God is not done with you yet. He's just getting started. And he's not just going to show up like the old days. He's going to do new things in your life that are bigger and better, far more than you ever imagined. Those men were lonely. Those men were discouraged. But they didn't know that the book of Acts was coming. And in the book of Acts, these men would preach to the thousands. They would reach the world. They would break through prison gates. They would heal the sick. They would do miracles that were not even imaginable. And I believe with all my heart, this may be for our church. This may be for you as an individual. But God is not done with you yet. He is just getting started. He's going to show up again and show up big. That's why you're not broken yet. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, the devil can't break us. And Father, there are many here today that need you to show up again because we're in the wrong place, tired, worried. But Lord, you still stand. You're still in control. Lord, you're going to finish what you started. And Lord, we're in this boat. And in this boat, it's a scary place to be, Lord. There are angry people at this boat. There are people in this boat that are doubting, afraid, discouraged, guilty, ashamed, hopeless, wondering what's next. But I believe and declare, Lord, greater things are coming. Miracles are going to happen. And you're going to give us supernatural strength to keep dragging, to do what you've called us to do. Even if we have no help, like Peter, he had to do it alone, and you stepped in and helped him and gave him the strength to do what you called him to do. So whoever has abandoned you, whoever has neglected you, let them go. Even if you've got to do it alone, you're going to do it with Jesus. Amen. Father, show up again. In Jesus' name. We thank you for showing up Reminding us it's not over. The nets won't break. It'll get heavy. You might have to drag. It won't be easy. But you're going to do it in the strength of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your strength that helps us when we're weak. And I pray for every person here. Father, for those here in church, those in the altar. Father, I pray for Kevin, who has a father right now with cancer. In the name of Jesus, I pray for Robert. 
you would show up in his life and let him see you as his Lord and Savior and do a miracle in his life. Father, I pray for Nancy that she would show up in ways she's never imagined. Father, I don't know what Bo Kevin's in right now, but he's in this altar broken, alone, divorced, raising a son, dragging alone. Give him the strength in Jesus' name to keep going. For Barbara, dragging with her grandson, show up in his life, do a miracle so that her family sees you, Lord, showing up in ways never imagined. For Darius, Father, starting a new life with you, Jesus. You've showed up and you've changed his life. But Darius, that is just the beginning, my Father. Do things in his life that only you can get the glory for. Father, for Melissa, for Sharon, two women in the drag, alone, Wondering what's next. Father, in Jesus' name, show up for my in-laws, for our family, for our church. Show up, Lord. Father, show up and show off a little, huh? Come on, Lord, show up and show off. Keep us intact. Give us more than we've asked for. Miracles we never saw come. In Jesus' name, would you pray this prayer, bold prayer? Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for showing up. Now show off. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Come on. Come on. Go around the room today, everyone. Go around the room. Hug each other. Pray over each other. Say, Lord you have spoken to them. Go around today. Someone here today just needs a hug. Find out who they are. Just grab them where they are. Grab them hard and say, he's showing up. Come on, church. Love on each other. Love on each other. In Jesus' name.